My guest today, Nico Juber, is an award-winning musical theater writer. Her songs have been performed at 54 Below and Feinstein's Vitellos, among others. She wrote the book, music, and lyrics for her musical, Millennials Are Killing Musicals, which is playing off-Broadway May 9th through 28th at Theater 71 in New York City. Listen in to hear all about her and her journey to one of the biggest stages in New York. She is making waves for women in musical theater, and it was an honor to sit down with her. Hey, Nico, it's good to see you. How are you? Hey, good. Good to see you, too. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for joining me. I'm so excited to get to talk to you about your career. What <laughs> led you to pursuing theater as a career path? Yeah, so um, I grew up around creatives. I'm from Los Angeles. My parents have actually written musicals together. And um, I've always been a songwriter. I've always been a, a writer. Um I used to write scripts when I was younger and I when I was 19 I was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and um so that cancer experience really and I've been in remission this whole time um since treatment but that kind of put me on a path towards needing to have a corporate job with benefits um really putting anything artistic on hold um just kind of figuring I needed stability and so I went into corporate America. I worked at companies like um, Apple and Adobe. I was at Adobe for 13 years and I did marketing. Um, and I kind of wore every hat in marketing. So I think I I took a lot of those skills <laughs> into this industry that I'm in now. Um, and then had a millennial existential crisis about four years ago where I wrote my first musical, which is the one that is coming up off Broadway, Millennials Are Killing Musicals. Um, and have written some other th things since then. But that was really the kind of breakthrough moment for me of, you know, I had kids, I had a break between jobs, I, you know, had all of this creative energy inside of me, and then it sort of exploded out. So um, it, I still did both things for like, I still worked in high tech for marketing for a little while after that. Um, but in the past, oh my gosh, I guess it's been about two years since I left and I, this is my focus now. But I use a lot of those same skills from my marketing world and um, in in this industry. So I think that uh, it's a really great thing to have experiences doing other things to be able to bring that into theater. But what led you to musical theater in particular? Yeah, I think it's, you know, this weird because I saw my parents writing musicals and um, sort of knew that it was a thing that people did, but didn't necessarily know it was a thing that I could do. I saw Waitress. Oh, my gosh, I'm trying to remember when it might have been 2018, um, 2019, somewhere in there. And that really planted it was probably 2018. It planted the seed in my head that you could write like as a, a you know, pop or singer songwriter, you could write a musical. Um based on the score. And then I think there were a couple other things that I saw in the more contemporary musical theater style, where it kind of had the realization of like, that's the kind of songwriting I can do, or that's, you know, I can write something funny. When I had this time, and I sat down and I started writing, and I, a lot of the time for me, writing comes with just asking questions, like, in it, and for this, I just, you know, what would happen if because there actually is a there was a mom at my kid's school who just every day like beautiful makeup, beautiful hair and I was like how do you do this? Like at 7 a.m. how do you look like this? <laughs> and 
So I was like, well, what would happen if you followed this person? Like, what what would happen in their lives? And who is this person? Is it all a facade? And I think that it just was this like series and escalation of like, well, then what if this? And what if that? And what if you had an influencer who thought having a baby would help them with their career? (laughs) And suddenly I had a whole story and I thought, okay, well, what is this? Am I doing a web series with some fun songs? Am I, because again, not thinking, and at some point it hit me that it was a musical. (laughs) And then I did my first reading of it and everyone, you know, actors in LA, it always starts in a garage with pizza and everyone, like it always starts there. And then it (laughs) becomes a much more involved habit after that. What is your musical about? What is Millennials Are Killing Musicals all about? Yeah, so the the one line pitch is um, it's about reclaiming authentic happiness in a social media filtered world. Um, And I think that that is kind of at the center of the millennial existential crisis. Um, It's a funny title, right? Millennials are killing musicals. And you're like, what is that? What does that mean? And it's provocative because us as like as a generation, one of the themes that comes up in the show is you tell somebody or you tell a generation that they're not good enough or somebody that they're not good enough, they start to believe it. And that's kind of a filter that a whole generation has been put under. So um, at the beginning of the show, we start, and this is a newer thing, we start with a challenge to the audience. It's like, you're going to hear a lot of things that millennials are killing. And like the only one that we made up is musicals. <laughs> Everything else you can Google, it's all there. It's all headlines. Um, you can decide this for yourself. <laughs> like, are we killing musicals? And um, so I think it's it's provocative in all of those ways. But the story uh, is, a, the protagonist is a woman named Brenda, who's a single mom, um, who is, you know, millennial. She's hates her job. <laughs> She's ready for more in her life, having that existential crisis. Um, and then her sister, who's an influencer, shows up eight months pregnant, completely unprepared for motherhood. And Uh, thinks it's like she's a Kardashian and this is going to boost her (laughs) social brand. And um, the two of them have, there's this other woman at the school who everything looks perfect. We only know her as Jake's mom and she, her life is actually falling apart. And um, these three women kind of all different places in their motherhood journeys um, are trailed by real life social media filters who are, basically messing with them the whole time and keeping them from reaching their own authentic happiness. And um, it's a little bit modeled on Instagram, but we ended up making it a fake app (laughs) so that people wouldn't get too bogged down in the rules. But um, essentially this Greek chorus of filters, you have an undersharer, an oversharer, and someone who smooths everything over. And those are sort of the three kind of types on social media that the way that you put yourself out in the world and how that can really keep you from like sort of, it's not good to go to the extreme of any one one of those things, but it's also, it's a comedy and it's light and it's fun. And there is, you know, love and twists and turns and um, the filters, you know, using this millennial kill kill list, the, you know, millennials are killing this, that um, to really kind of keep a, a tight grip on these women um, which really just backfires over the course of the show. I watched the 54 Below concert and it's a wonderful show. Great. Oh, idea. Thank you. Yeah. 
Horace, do you have a scene or song from the show that means the most to you? Yeah, um, there's a song in it, and this is on YouTube. People can look this up. Um, it's called Who I Am, and it's the 11 o'clock number, and it's really when Brenda, the lead, kind of gets to this place where she's like, enough, I need to change my patterns, I need to, you know, be filter free and sort of, um, it's the big moment of realization in the show. And um, I think it means a lot to me, because it really mirrors like my own um, journey with kind of finding my creative voice and like, letting that be, you know, the like dictating my future. Um, and I still feel like, you know, one of Brenda's affirmations that she says to herself, and then she really starts to believe it in the song is I am capable of anything. And I think for me, that is something that I sort of now it like, I have, I'm starting to believe it more and more and more myself, like really art imitating life, imitating art in just all processes and facets of like anything I thought I couldn't do. I'm realizing, you know, whether that's producing, whether it's any piece of this, it was like, as long as I can learn and be open and have the information and surround myself with people that are invested in my success, it doesn't feel like there's anything that I can't accomplish. It's also a song where I remember writing it. I, I don't think I've had this experience. I've maybe one other song, but this one I like wrote it really quickly. Like it just came out. And I like moved back from the piano it was just like, what, what just happened? It was very, and so uh, most of the songs I went back and I'm like, oh, I got to make that a better rhyme. I got to like, and that one, I just couldn't, like, I couldn't touch it. <laughs> it just felt like it came out the way it needed to come out. So. Right. Wow. Speaking of writing songs, are there any creators or musical theater creators that have inspired your work? Yeah. That's a great question. Um, I mean, I definitely would say my mom is a really great lyricist. She like, in addition to book writer, but she writes very clever lyrics. And so I think that that definitely rubbed off on me. <laughs> and like, hopefully it did. And then I think that, again, uh, Sarah Boreas with um, Waitress, like, that planted the seed for me. Any any of the more sort of contemporary musical theater pop driven but even you know I, I would say like Stephen Schwartz is like arguably like very pop driven why do you believe that your show is important um I believe that it's important it's funny because I I wrestle with this right like I it's a funny fun show and we're in a world where there's not a lot of space made for like comedy for the sake of comedy um I think that it's a harder sell just generally in an industry that's like really here for prestige work and like dramas. And um, so I think comedy's always had a harder time. I think we all need to have fun and laugh and still be confronted like with the things that are important for us to confront in theater. And I think that that's our job as, you know, a comedy writer is to be like, putting in layers that kind of make you go, oh, like, I, I I don't want people to leave and not have something to talk about at the end of it. So I think like the themes around our relationship with social media, the loss of identity and motherhood and like sort of the lack of supports that um, mothers and parents have in our country. Um, and like, those are all 
kind of underlying things and then like kind of just the millennial condition of like being this generation. Then I also think on the side of being a women creative team um, and my director, Sierra Renee, who is also my producing partner. Um, so we, she's just incredible. And like, we love working together and um, being our productions being done with out of the box theatrics. Um, and Liz Fleming is the artistic director who really believes in the work that we're doing and lifting up the voices of marginalized communities. Where do you see the show going? Um, oh, geez. Um, I, if you had asked me four years ago, I would have said, uh, this is a natural fit off-Broadway commercial. Um, and really, even up until recently, I think that, you know, I look at a show like Little Shop, which is a similarly sized show. But I also think that there's a moving target right now. And the economics have changed a lot, like post-COVID. And well, I guess we're still in it, but like in a post-COVID environment. Um, and... I look at things like six and I look at strange loop and I look at, you know, what, what is the future of original original work on Broadway? And I don't know that this isn't it in terms of like, you know, it was like a weird double negative, but like uh cast size and the team that we've put together is just like really incredible. And a lot of breakthrough people and very up and coming with, you know, mixed with very established Broadway talent um, so, you know, of course we all dream that, <laughs> but I think that, you know, at the end of the day, I want to make the best thing that I can make and then sort of let the world tell us like what the next step is, if that makes sense. Of course. I mean, I think it's going to go far. I think you have a great concept. Thank you. I appreciate that. Of course. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Mira Elizabeth Show. I hope you are inspired. Be sure to download, follow me on your socials, and stream the next episode.